overall, I kind of didn't like it that much. I think you kind of said it was about what you expected. Yeah, it's, it's fun and entertaining, but after this many years and this many movies, a lot of their like tricks and gimmicks are starting to feel a little like stale and mechanical. Like some of the banter feels kind of forced and contrived. I think it's funny that Yelena calls Natasha's plan a shit plan like a week after Sylvie calls Loki's plan a shit plan. It seems like they're, they're getting a little formulaic. I definitely agree. It's definitely been a formula for years and years. Overall, I think I would give it probably like a 4 out of 10. Like it wasn't terrible, but I kind of said it was essentially a James Bond movie with Scarlett Johansson instead of a male lead. And I think that's kind of on purpose. The only real aspects of the movie that were moderately decent were some of the combat was cool, but like it's, we've seen that before. To me, I think they kind of botched Taskmaster. I think they botched Red Guardian. And really, they botched Yelena. I mean, it would make a lot more sense for Yelena to join the Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts, whatever they're going with, with the Julia Louis-Dreyfus situation. If they made Yelena, like, bitter enemies with Black Widow, like, was the actual original concept, then that would make a lot more sense that she would deliberately try to work against some of Black Widow's friends. Well, that's the thing too. It's funny that they always give the female leads like flashback movies. They don't do anything that affects the nowadays time. They didn't cover any of like the seven year gap between, I mean, right at the end, she's like, oh, I gotta go break out these people whose contracts are all up so they won't show up. And then it kind of ends, but none of this is like really still affecting like the two years between Civil War and then Thanos wiping out everybody. And the five years where everybody, like half the people were gone. I'm kind of assuming Yelena was one of the people that got wiped out because she doesn't look any older at the end, at the funeral. Seven years is a long time for like a lot of things to happen and then unhappen and rehappen maybe. And they still like haven't really covered a lot of it. This movie kind of suffered from the same issue that anybody with critical thinking skills can notice about a prequel style movie where you obviously know that nothing's really going to become of Black Widow. There's never any suspense. You know that Natasha's never going to die or succumb to anything because we watched her die in the future movie. That's kind of the criticism a lot of people have had that it's so stupid to do a Black Widow prequel movie now when we already know her ultimate fate of dying on Vormir. It would have made a lot more sense if they did a Black Widow prequel around the time they were doing Iron Man and Thor and Captain America prequels. I also think it was a misogynistic mindset that prevented them from doing that. I think now they realize that people actually do have an interest in following a female lead character, but before I think they figured like it wouldn't sell. So now it seems like they're kind of backtracking and trying to basically virtue signal the audience by giving a female lead movie. They inhibited how good it could really ultimately be when there isn't any suspense and they retcon too much of the source material for it to be good. The advantage they have with the, the more like B-list and maybe C-list stuff is that they can kind of do whatever they want with it and fit it into a more modern scenario. Kids now don't even know what the Cold War is anymore. And a lot of these characters are like from the Cold War. Like a lot of the villains from like the 60s and 70s are like Cold War villains because that was the big thing going on. 
So that's not going to be relevant now. Just like you can't have, like, a lot of the Marvel superheroes are Vietnam War veterans. Like, did you know that Punisher was in the Vietnam War and so was Reed Richards? Did you know that Charles Xavier was in the Korean War and so was Juggernaut? So, like, Wolverine doesn't age, so you can still do that stuff with him. Not these people that you're still expecting people to believe that they're in their 30s and 40s. You have to update them somehow. Purely MCU fans that only have ever watched the movies and don't care about anything else, they're not gonna know or care. Like, they're probably gonna like it no matter what they do because they're so entrenched in just the pure MCU retcon make everything a big joke universe but i think the core demographic that would go to see it because they want to see the source material that all they've ever gotten to look at to this point is pictures on a comic they're gonna be upset like how badly they botched taskmaster like you mentioned b and c list style characters but like i feel like Taskmaster to comic book fans is an A-list guy just because he's underrated and cool and the fact that they changed that so badly I think was a huge mistake and Yelena Belova's probably not super popular but like She will be now because she was kind of the star of the Yeah like the Florence or whatever her Florence Pugh or whatever her name is she was really good that was one thing I wanted to mention that was probably the best part of the movie It was kind of fun to see that's like oh they're a bunch of like super elite super spies but they're still this like bumbling dysfunctional middle American family and like they bicker like sisters where there's like the older one that was cool but is now like kind of square and out of touch and chuggy as the kids these days say and there's like the young hip one and then like Red Guardian kind of had that Homer Simpson thing going. I wish they did Taskmaster a little bit differently. I wish they did Red Guardian more accurately and like we said I just wish that they got a better formula like any movie is probably going to be formulaic because people are just out of ideas so anything that comes out is going to be some sort of copy of something else the jokes felt extremely forced like you said especially the one about the poses like that was i guess that was kind of like a self-aware joke like maybe the mc is telling you like yeah we understand that we're going back to the same wall over and over again type deal i kind of wish they didn't make yelena and natasha friends because that's not how it is in the comics and instead of making Taskmaster basically a robot they should have done that if they were going to go to that character they should have made it more accurate to the source material but we were kind of talking after we saw the movie that it kind of goes along with a similar theory that you've had about some of the Star Wars stuff is since Taskmaster is essentially a program now and not an actual character I was saying that it could possibly just be anything now it started off as that daughter that was programmed to be like that but now it could basically just be a title that's picked up and somebody else gets programmed with the taskmaster I protocols assume that that's what they're gonna do i think that the original tony masters taskmaster was probably some cold war hero and then gangster guy put his daughter in the suit and like programmed her into a robot i think that echo maya lopez is the Daredevil villain who is showing up in the Hawkeye show who has pretty much the same power as Taskmaster. She's like deaf, but she's got like photographic memory and can copy anybody's moves just by seeing them. So she's probably gonna hijack the Taskmaster suit and get in that. In the comics, she is in the Ronin suit after Hawkeye is done with it. She's probably gonna show up in that and fight with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. The, the newer Hawkeye. So she's probably going to be Taskmaster next. So I think that's enough time on Black Widow. Now what I'm assuming is going to take the majority of the time. Were you satisfied with 
the Loki show ending, I think we pretty much, for the most part, predicted everything that ended up happening. I mean, I think it was pretty easy to figure out that, like, Kang was behind everything, and we weren't sure that he was going to show up until Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania or whatever. So I think that's kind of like a metagag type thing, where, like, he disrupts the timeline by showing up early. Episodes 4 and 5 were awesome. 5 was bonkers. The Loki Battle Royale was awesome. All the different Easter eggs, like the Thanos Copter and like the Thor Frog and like the Jack Kirby Loki being ridiculous. That was all really cool. Kang, how he was at the last episode was actually kind of annoying. He kind of reminded me of Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever as Two-Face. But I think that was on purpose because he's like a... He's a person that's been in isolation and it's like driven him crazy. And he's probably gonna show up as a dozen different Kangs and like play them a dozen different ways the way that like Eddie Murphy plays five different roles in every movie he's in. As far as episode six, I think it goes back to our same complaint about Black Widow and any recent MCU thing is that it goes back to it being a formulaic type deal. My biggest gripe with the MCU is that they turn everything into a big joke. And so it's really not an MCU thing unless they make everything a big sarcastic joke. They're trying to make everybody Deadpool, essentially. I'm assuming that the sixth episode Kang that showed up. I don't think it's Earth 616 Kang, and I don't necessarily think they're gonna make that guy every Kang. I think that's just a version of Kang, and I think now we're that's going to get- That same gonna be Kang and Ant-Man. I think that same guy's going to be Kang and Ant-Man, but I think now that Sylvie basically created the concept of multiverses, I think that is where we're going to get the more aggressive, not big joke Kang that people were expecting. I think it should have been super predictable that they were going to turn everything into a big joke like they always do. I think it would have been wishful thinking to assume that they were going to put a very serious villain in a small screen production. I think people should have really learned their lessons from WandaVision and even Falcon and Winter Soldier. They save the villains that aren't a massive joke for the big screen. The Thanos type thing we didn't get that until the mcu existed for like 10 years they had like 10 years worth of movies before we even got him for an extended period of time well he was in the hover chair in like guardians of the galaxy but he was like super serious then and he was like the post credits tease at the end of the first avengers but he wasn't even the same thanos so that guy might come back later on as like a the classic death worshiping thanos that's my point though is like a serious villain that's not a massive comedic relief like this version of Kang, they're not going to do that in a TV show and so we kind of got to learn our lesson. They did what the show was supposed to do, like we knew that whatever the TVA, we assumed that first that the TVA was like a force for good that was fighting against something else, but really it was just a ruse by Kang. But we also knew like whatever interventions that Loki and whoever else tried to do, we obviously knew it was going to fail so that the Doctor Strange movie can happen, and so that- What another season of Loki, it turns out. And so that the Spider-Man things can happen. Basically, this whole six episodes was a filler to set up the fact that Sylvie, as it turns out, is kind of the true villain, because in killing that original joke Kang at the end of time or whatever, that joke one, dying, set up probably trillions of different timeline branches, and therefore now we have a multiverse concept. And I think both of us kind of said that, that whatever this show is doing, the whole point is because of this show, that's what created the idea of a multiverse concept. 
well, I think the multiverse was going to happen regardless. And I think the TVA was an attempt to, like, try to stem it the way that the Roman Empire and, like, the Roman Catholic Church after it try to, like, cut everybody's options and conquer everybody to, like, impose order on everybody so that it's, like, more predictable and easier to control. But they can't do it completely. The whole, like, oh, someone worse than me is going to come, like, that could be partially bluffing. Because Miss Minutes comes by and is trying to, like, bargain with them as they're making their way to him, too. Like, oh, you want to win the war on New York? You can! So I think he's kind of smarmy and trying to bluff and trying to trick people. That version of Kang that we saw in episode six was basically a guy that fluked his way into total control. That was the impression that I got. He basically told them that he outsmarted the trillions of other Kangs and basically created the TVA to make only one specific timeline. And with this great ruse, he controls everything, he knows everything, and he sends this team of variants that get plucked off the timeline. He's built up a team of variants that don't matter to their respective timelines. Therefore, he's just got a huge brute squad to erase anything he doesn't see fit, and therefore he's been able to stop any other timelines from branching out of this one main sacred timeline to him. But now that that Kang that outsmarted everybody died, trillions of other Kangs exist. And so the Mobius that we saw at the end was a different variant of Mobius. And so it's not that one that got stabbed. Yeah, history has already been altered because the statue's different. There's no more timekeepers. I think there are trillions of versions of King. I think we will eventually There's get There's trillions bigger. of versions of everybody. I think we'll they eventually get... They just don't know how get... to time travel and they don't... They're getting killed off. <laughs> or turn into timekeepers. Yeah, so I don't think there's going to necessarily be a ton of different Kangs that look like that guy in episode 6. I think we're going to get the classic Earth 616 Kang, but I think most people are assuming that the classic Earth 616 Kang isn't going to be until another, possibly even like a decade from now. Well, and like this Kang is dressed more like a Mortis, and he's calling himself He Who Remains, which is like the guy in charge of the Timekeepers is called that. So it's kind of a mishmash. He is going to show up as a Kang, supposedly, in at least Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it's probably going to build up in like the next couple years worth of movies into like the Secret Wars type multiversal war. I kind of am considering him because he's such a joke character and his personality is such a joke. I'm considering him as like a one-off villain for that Ant-Man and Wasp movie that's upcoming. Because that's the thing, is like all the MCU movies up until Avengers were basically one-off villains and then ultimately they went against the Chitari. But even the Chitari wasn't the big bad villain. We thought that was the big build-up, but really all of it, the underlapping thing was Thanos eventually in whatever year. So they're gonna make people think that Kang is a bigger deal than he really is, but I think eventually either Galactus or Earth 616 Kang are going to be a two-part or even three-part finale where each movie is like three hours long, like kind of like what we got with Infinity War and Endgame. Well, it might be the Beyonder, and it could be like a Secret Wars Battle World type thing. Have you ever seen the Clue movie, where there's like three different endings, and like it, it, it was random, random when you went into the theater, which ending you were gonna see? They're probably gonna have like random fight scenes where they don't show you all of them, and you gotta like see the movie multiple times to like get all the different fight scenes in the middle of the movie to make it not like a four-hour movie. I wondered if that Elias thing is a different name that they're calling a device that was created by Galactus to help him devour planets. Because he's such a celestial being, like he's got so much else on his mind. 
I know that he creates things to help make devouring planets easier so that he doesn't have to focus his full attention on devouring a planet. I wonder if it's a somewhat of a retcon of a device or like his main device that helps him. They said this thing is a devourer of entire timelines or whatever. It does kind of do the same thing that Galactus does, but I think it is its own character. But it is Galactus like devours the planets and the universes or whatever, but then like poops back out cosmic energy that then coalesces into a new universe and new galaxy. Well, I was wondering if that was going to be some sort of major reveal later on. I was kind of guessing that that thing, because yeah, Galactus doesn't want to spend all of his energy devouring a planet. Like he, he needs to, but he wants to have his attention on other things. He creates these devices that basically make it easier for him to devour the planet or make it so that he can devour the planet and do other things. So I wondered if that Elias is just one of those devices as it turns out. I think in the comics it is its own thing that like Kang was able to take control of and like use it to like destroy and whatever. But it, like they do try to mishmash and like merge characters together in the MCU to like streamline everything. So this Elioth thing, now that it's been like possessed by Sylvie and is like doing its own thing, might become a Galactus it, like eventually. It might like possess some celestial suit and like start to look more like Galactus. So you're saying, like, at this point, Galactus hasn't been established at all and doesn't exist, but you think, you think that this Loki show is helping to establish Galactus for the first time? Because I kind of assumed that Galactus was behind the scenes this whole time, and that going with my theory, that thing was... They misinterpreted what that thing really was, is my theory. It's actually a Galactus thing, and he is even further ahead of the game than Kang thinks he is. And I think it fit Kang's narrative to act like that Elia thing was part of his plan, but I think it could really be Galactus. I definitely agree that there's probably some semblance of Beyonder on the horizon. We've gotten several different teases of Valentina and several different teases of potentially like a Thunderbolts and or Masters of Evil and or Dark Avengers. In the background, there's all this Kang and Galactus and Beyonder stuff going on too, but to kind of temporarily quench people's appetite for MCU content, they're going to be doing minor things with this Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers type deal. Well, they've always been doing like Earth soap opera drama and then like cosmic space drama out in space simultaneously in Marvel that then like start crisscrosses and overlaps so the, the movies are going to do the same thing yeah there's going to be this arms race especially now after like they know thanos has come to earth and destroy things everybody's trying to have their own super team because in movies another thing is that like if you establish like a elite force of like unnamed soldiers it doesn't matter how elitely trained they are they're gonna fold like paper when they have to fight a named character so like instead of investing in like training up a whole army, they're just gonna like invest in a couple super people that they can send everywhere and take on any army that they want until they gotta like fight another person's super team. So we're gonna see like probably a Dark Avengers and then probably like a Thunderbolts at the same time and like several different Avengers teams. Oh, Kang also plays into the Young Avengers too because like a teenage version of Kang becomes Iron Lad and forms the Young Avengers. So that's something they've been building too. If the multiverse is shattered too, and Doctor Strange are probably going to see how all these multiversal portals open up and like the things get shuffled and flip-flopped around and like maybe some characters get lost in different dimensions and then come back and recombine when they like patchwork together a battle world for them all to like fight it out in. We also got to keep in mind that there's a Shang-Chi thing coming up which is introducing Mandarin in a retcon fashion so that's another pretty high level villain unless they botch it again. 
I guess I'm just curious how connected do you think all of this is? I think if you're mentioning Beyonder, then you're basically saying he established probably Kang. Like, are they gonna, are you, do you think they're gonna use Beyonder as like, the creator of, a, of everything basically then? He creates Galactus, he created Kang, he created all of this. Now that they have us primed to like be expecting a Thanos, they're probably gonna have a bunch of tease Thanoses. And one of them could be Kang, one of them could be Mandarin. People are also still clamoring for Doctor Doom. Well, there are still a ton of people that think every other thing is Mephisto, too. There... A Mephisto could <laughs> show up. There could. I think everybody really wants Mephisto at some point. And we got to remember now that at some point we are probably getting a Namor Submariner. So there are some like... Oh, Namor's showing up in Black Panther 2. He's there like are the some, villain. There are some Atlantean type threats that we could possibly get at some point. And we know that at some point the X-Men are going to be introduced into the MCU. So that opens the door for major X-Men villains. Probably Apocalypse at some point. Mr. Sinister, potentially, and then I kind of want them to do something with Shadow King. I know I was going on and on about Shadow King and the WandaVision. There are some really high-level type villains that would be exciting and interesting and not necessarily formulaic, or at least a fresh thing where they're not going to a villain that's essentially the same thing that we just watched with a different name. They haven't done anything with, like, the Savage Land yet. They could do something with Sauron, who was just a kind of a throwaway villain in the X-Men Legends game, but that could potentially be really good. They still haven't really done MODOK yet either. I mean, he's not a major huge deal, but I could see them using him as even He's got like his a... own robot chicken show. That's even more of a everything is a joke show than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's my biggest overall criticism with any of the MCU stuff, is I wish they would make it a little bit more seriously. Like people's issues with DC is that their movies, well one, they spend too much money on one character so they don't have as good of acting on it. I think people think that the DC live action movies are too serious and the MCU movies aren't serious enough. The MCU has the advantage because I think Marvel has more characters that are better that would be appealing on screen. So they have more of a roster to draw from to entertain crowds. I want them to go away from making everything a huge joke. That was cool for like a movie or two. Like it worked for Thor and it kind of worked for Infinity War to an extent, but then at a certain point, okay, enough of that. So the original Ninja Turtle movie is the gold standard of comic movies for me because it's like, it's action that's cool and there's like some schmaltziness and then there's some goofiness and it's very quotable like a Will Ferrell movie if you're into that sort of thing. But they balance it all and it all like fits. And you can tell that like the Russo brothers and a lot of the Marvel people grew up on that movie and like have tried to copy it because like the movies that the Russo brothers do gets that balance pretty well. There's a lot of interest in that Snyder Cut that came out because even though it's really long, it wasn't very comedic and I think people don't necessarily want comics to be a big joke. I want them to veer away from that crutch of making everything a huge joke, give a little bit more of a serious tone. And I think they need to stop being afraid to make things rated R. I mean, especially with it being on streaming, kids will find a way to watch it even if they're not necessarily 17. I guarantee their parents will probably take them to it, whether it's rated MA or whether it's rated G. They'll find a way to see it within legal ramifications. 
if they just decide to make it R or MA, they'll be able to give more comic accurate content. And I think that's the type of stuff that the overwhelming majority of audiences want to see. I'm pretty sure there are like six, seven, eight year olds that watch MA and R type movies anyway. So I, I mean, I know that's what they're afraid of is box office numbers. They want more people to be able to see it, but well, the those, thing is, those audiences that are quote-unquote barred from seeing it if it's rated R, they'll figure out a way to watch it. They'll get their money from that demographic at some point. They don't need to keep it so watered down in PC, PG-13. They're limited on how good it could possibly be by trying to water it down and make it PG-13 for money purposes. Marvel has kind of made this mistake before where they had waning days of like the Comics Code Authority. They had like their mature readers only imprint called like Max Comics. And it was super gratuitous and like super like close up panels on of like titty shots and like drug use and like just for the hell of it. And it was like super gratuitous and like not even like you can't even enjoy it. It was so like gratuitous. Before Nick Fury was like Samuel L. Jackson for The Ultimates, they were trying to get George Clooney to be Nick Fury in a Nick Fury movie and he was like a big fan of Nick Fury growing up or whatever but he was like I don't want to make another Batman and Robin I want to like do it right so let me see like what's going on with Nick Fury nowadays and it was right around like the turn of the century when we were cranking out these like Max comics so they sent him the Max comic Nick Fury comics and he was like what the hell is this this is like <laughs> this is just gross like this is I, this isn't like kid stuff this is too so he like backed out because of that he's like I don't know what the hell you guys are doing anymore but I don't want any part of this. Trying too hard to make things super duper adult doesn't really work either. And comic, like, adults can still enjoy this stuff, but it is primarily for kids. Like, you do have to keep it somewhat light. Well, I'm not necessarily saying go out of your way to make it raunchy for the sake of making it raunchy. I think it's more so they're worried about making it too graphic, but I think people read comics for the escape from reality and being able to be a lot more graphic and violent and just slightly more expletive than some of the jokes that don't land necessarily as well. I mean, they kind of get around it. Like, they do hint at some mature things, even in the PG-13. Like, they kind of beat around the bush, but they're afraid to fully commit to it. They don't necessarily need to be as obnoxious about it as they are in Deadpool, which at the same time, I think Deadpool has more of an audience because I think people like that in the case of just Deadpool, they're not afraid to do or say anything. But I think if they just took that same approach and weren't afraid to fully commit, the rest of the MCU would be so much more popular. And like I said, these nine-year-olds will probably find a way to watch it anyway. It's not like these younger audience members can't watch it as long as they don't have a parental guardian with them and more than likely that parental guardian was their ride to the theater in the first place. I think that they think they're going to lose too much revenue on not making a PG-13 and I just think it's stupid to think that way. I think they would gain so much more because there are people that are adults that I think don't watch MCU because it's so forced cutesy and forced watered down and forced PC and so they don't want to watch it. They just don't find it entertaining. I know plenty of people who have said this is too cutesy and this is too much of a forced comedic relief and forced one-liners that don't really land as well. They'd rather have more serious content. They need to make at least some of the movies less forced, watered-down stuff because I think they'll gain more than they'll lose doing that. Well, another thing, too, is that the people making these movies keep aging, and so it's kind of hard, like, people in their, like, late 30s and, like, 40s and maybe even, like, 50s, it's hard for them to still be in touch with, like, what teenagers and, like, 20-somethings are doing. 
they're kind of becoming like the old square Natasha. 